Welcome to another sermon podcast from All Souls Anglican Church, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Thanks for joining us as we study God's Word together. These weekly sermons are part of the teaching ministry of our church. Have your Bible ready as we begin this week's sermon. And stay tuned when we finish at the end to find out more about us. Now, it was at our first public service one year ago that we turned in God's word to that great letter of the Apostle Paul, the letter to the Romans. Last time, we studied the hallmarks of the gospel in Romans 1, that it's offensive to the perishing. It is the power of God. It is for everyone. It reveals God's righteousness, and the scriptures confirm it. And last February, we committed this church to the gospel. We are prepared to suffer for the sake of it. We have gloried in the power of God revealed in it. We have proclaimed it to every person who has shared in our worship. We have confessed in repentance and in faith our inability to achieve it without God's mercy and grace alone. And we have studied the scriptures carefully to track its appearing. All souls Anglican Church must preach Christ crucified, raised, and ascended, all for the glory of God. We must stand for the truth. And so this evening, we come to Paul's last words in Romans. Romans 16, 25 to 27, 1209 in your pew Bible. It is Paul's doxology. It's so fitting that we end our first year in his words of praise. What began in our commitment concludes in praise and thanksgiving for God's many providences. The dear friends we have made at Covenant Presbyterian Church, their welcome and their support of our ministry, the countless thousands of souls who have been praying for us each and every day. He closes here in a similar way, in a glorious doxology that just lifts the heart of every believer. So what is a doxology? A doxology is a hymn of praise to God. And here it is in all one sentence as it is in the Greek. It's the longest doxology in the New Testament. This is as complex a doxology as you are going to see in your pew Bible. But its complex grammar is so simple in the meaning, my dear friends. Look at verse 25. Now to him. And verse 27. Be glory forevermore. Now to him. Be glory forevermore. Now what Paul does in between is he takes up the central themes of his great letter. He summarizes them and relates them to one another. 
It consists of two parts. The first focuses on the power of God manifested in the gospel of Christ to the evangelization of the nations. And the second part is the praise of God's wisdom. But through it all, Paul's constant focus is on ascribing all the glory to God alone. And so we begin and must ask ourselves a simple question. Do I give God glory? Or do I give God all the glory? We're at Romans 16. Paul praises God for his power in verses 25 and 26. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but now has been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Now notice first how Paul writes of the power of God. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Do you see how significant this is? It can hardly be an accident that Paul's letter to the Romans begins and ends with a reference to the power of God through the gospel. Paul began in Romans 1.16 with the certainty the certainty that the gospel is God's power to save. And because the fact of salvation has been accomplished and God is unchanging in his purpose, it is God's same power to strengthen and establish you, the believer. This is his first principle of praise, that the power of God to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power to strengthen and establish you as a believer. We know this is Paul's meaning here. It's because the verb Paul uses here is already at this early date a technical term for nurturing new believers and strengthening young church plants like All Souls Anglican Church. Luke uses it in the Acts of the Apostles. He writes how Paul and his fellow missionaries deliberately revisited the churches they had planted in order to strengthen them. And Paul uses the same verb as Luke does here. Paul uses this verb strengthen in many of his letters. He uses it to exhort believers like us. He tells us how it is the power of God that makes us firm and strong and stable in our faith against error, in our holiness against temptation. Or in our courage against persecution. 
So this grand vision of the doxology's opening words is how in the same way God has moved the entire course of history to save you is the same ability of your heavenly Father to strengthen you in truth, his truth, in holiness, his holiness, and in unity as one saved people. Now what believer cannot be lifted and encouraged by such a fact of the gospel of God? It is the power of God. Yet we look somewhere else to be strengthened often, don't we? We look to ourselves and not to God. We forget the strength that is mediated in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now next notice how, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. Now Paul here emphasizes the fact that the gospel is revealed truth. It is a mystery. That is to say, a truth or a cluster of truths hidden for long ages past, but is now revealed. Now, what is included in the mystery? Well, Paul does not explain it here, but he does explain it elsewhere. In Colossians 2, chapter 2, verse 2, Paul explains that God's secret, concealed in the past, is now revealed. It is Jesus Christ himself. It is Jesus Christ in all his fullness. He also explains in the same letter that this fullness of Jesus Christ is specifically for the Gentiles. In Ephesians 3, Paul gives the conclusion that Gentiles now have an equal share with Israel in God's promise. And so God fulfills his covenant promise to Abraham. And the Apostle Paul explains in Romans chapter 11 how this mystery also includes good news for Jews as well as Gentiles. Because one day all of Israel will be saved. So what we have here that has been revealed also looks forward to that great future glory when God will bring all things together under one head, our Savior Jesus Christ. And it is in Christ's fullness that we will appear before our Heavenly Father without spot or blemish. We are made perfect Not in of ourselves, but in him, in his full righteousness. Our rags are gone. And we, my dear friends, are clothed in his spotless robe. And so all of God's mystery begins, continues, and is consummated in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is as if the scaffolding is finally taken away and the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed throughout history and into his glory. 
And Paul's praise has his eye on that future glory of Christ made known now in the present where he is seated and in glory at God's right hand. And so his righteousness begins to spread across the entire earth as Isaiah says, as the waters cover the sea. And we get a real sense here of how the Apostle Paul feels a real thrill in being involved in this. That's how you feel. That thrill that you are caught up in and part of the great mission of Jesus Christ to the nations. It was so important to us as believers of a tiny church plan of all souls that we should fund a missionary overseas. And we have done so. We have read the reports of the danger in which they work in a Muslim-majority nation. And so we lift up our hearts in prayer for them, gathering with all the saints for all those who preach the gospel to the nations. And so Paul is overwhelmed. For he was once a hater of Christ and his believers, but he is now a lover of Christ and a minister to believers. As we give ourselves fully to Christ, the same wonder comes to us being bowed down under the sheer weight of his grace and mercy, realizing that unfit instruments that we are of ourselves, but with his grace, we become fit instruments for his purpose, to share Christ with all the nations. That is our hope for you, my dear friends, that there is no diminishment of the weight of God's grace for you. But that can be the problem, can't it? Being a Christian to so many of us is a little, trivial thing, a manageable thing that fits my schedule rather than an overwhelming thing the reality of Paul's praise, rather than a life transformed, sacrificing all, a missionary thrilling life. That, my dear friends, is the life of a believer in the glory of God. No wonder the original hearers of Paul's letter were strengthened so. Notice in verse 26c how Paul sets our God's eternal purpose. It is to bring about what? The obedience of faith. Now Paul said it in exactly the same way right at the beginning in Romans 1.5. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Now, what does the obedience of faith mean? Well, it's very simple, but it is very profound. When you trust in the Lord Jesus, you are being obedient to the command of the gospel that tells you to believe. So when you first trusted in him, 
You obeyed the command of the gospel. But now consider the depth of that obedience, my friends, the depth of that obedience. For when you believe in Jesus Christ, you come to obey him. It is because if you don't obey him, you cannot be trusting him. It's because you don't obey him, you can't be trusting him. Faith is obedience to God's command to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And it is God's command to trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord in all my daily life. Faith presses itself upon your life, my dear friends. So that your life is a life of unconditional, absolute obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ in all things. Because he is the Lord of all things. Romans 6.17 says this, doesn't it? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. Now here is another principle. A disobedient Christian is a contradiction in terms. My dear friend, you may be a Christian, but you have no reason to believe that you are a Christian if you live a life in persistent disobedience of the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you feel the weight of God's holy glory, my friend? Be encouraged because God's power, God's power strengthens you To the obedience of faith. Is it easy? No. It's not easy. But it is an obedience. That brings with it great joy. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. To be happy. In Jesus. But to. Trust. And obey. So. Paul praises God for his power, and in verse 27, he praises God for his wisdom. Look at what he says, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, what I want you to notice here is the way in which the order of the New Testament itself complements and reinforces the doctrine of the scriptures. For what we have here, In the final doxological theme of Paul's letter to the Romans is the first doctrinal theme of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. If you turn to 1 Corinthians 1, just over the page, and verses 18 to 31, you can see how the wisdom of God is what? The work of God. 
and the power of God in Jesus Christ's suffering and death on the cross. My dear friends, there is no greater wisdom. The perfect justice of God is satisfied in the perfect offering of God, offered in the perfect love of God to save sinners like you and me. God's wisdom devised this way to save us, the cross, my dear friends, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is where heaven's love and heaven's justice meet. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is the place where sinful men may be saved in God's love, even as God's wrath is poured out upon his only begotten Son. God is utterly wise. He is totally consistent in his justice and in his love. Remember Romans 8. In Romans 8, Paul describes how God's wisdom uses the tribulation of believers at the hands of sinful men to make his glory in us. I mean, think about that. There is nothing, my dear friends, nothing a mortal man can do to you except to be God's instrument in making you like your Savior, Jesus Christ. They cannot hurt you. They can only bring you to greater glory. In Romans 12 to 15, Paul describes God's wisdom and how to live with all these differences between us at the fountain of all grace in Jesus Christ. And we know this, don't we? As we grow deeper in our understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our fellowship deepens in the Lord Jesus Christ and leads us still further to give more praise and more glory to him who saved us. It's no wonder that Paul would break out into a praise of God's wisdom in Romans 11.33. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Is it no wonder then, my dear friends, that he does it again at the end of his letter? For that has been his theme. To God alone be the glory. In Romans 1, Sinful man has exchanged the glory of God for an idol. In Romans 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 5, it is through faith in Jesus Christ that we stand in the hope of the glory of God. In Romans 8, we endure a tribulation that is nothing, nothing compared to to the glory of God that awaits those who believe. And in Romans 9, God raises and tears down kingdoms and empires to proclaim his glory and to prepare for the fullness of the glory of his son, Jesus Christ. But yet there is that incredible thing that our Lord prayed for you and me 
in John chapter 17, that this glory of our Heavenly Father that was given to him, Jesus Christ now gives to you, to you who trust him. Non-believers do not understand this. When they come upon believers in fellowship, in mutual reconciliation, in love and affection for one another, because we gather together to worship together to bring the name of Jesus Christ all the glory in which we live. So this glorious gospel that this little church plant has committed itself comes from the glory of God, brings us to the glory, and this gospel is the glory of God. And so we commit ourselves afresh and say, yes, yes, Heavenly Father, May all the glory come to you alone. For in you we have our being. And through you we gain eternal life. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us by going to our website, allsoulsnj.org. There, you can support our mission by making a one-time donation or starting a podcast member subscription by clicking the Support the Show link under the Contact Us tab. You can also support us in prayer by clicking the email newsletter tab at the top. All Souls Anglican Church. Simple church, ancient truth, real people, new life.